0: Welcome to Opposable Thumbs. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Scale is our challenge this episode. Thanks to Deborah Later of Chicago Printmakers for that challenge. Antonio Martinez is our guest this episode.
1: Greetings, Antonio. Thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor to uh, be part of this. It's uh, definitely got me out of my comfort zone. Great. That's why we do this for ourselves, too.
0: My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I'm a designer by day and make art and other weird things by night. And you can find me as Shimmering Trash Pile across the internet.
2: And I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, CAD CAM evangelist, DIY engineer, noted tall person, and I'm a he, his kind of guy.
1: Wow, those, those are some great intros. Do you guys <laughs> say those every, every episode or is that... Uh...
2: Uh, I almost got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Rob well, does it, does a better job than me. Rob, do you read yours or do you just say it off the top I've of I've been head?
0: trying to switch it up since since we were back on after the summer break. I thought it'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to top that. That's going <laughs> to be so boring. I'm, I'm Antonio Martinez. I, I'm a photo educator at Southern Illinois University. And, uh, I'm also a, a hobbyist of various, uh, I guess crafts, uh, stained glass. Uh, I took that up, um, last year and I'm actually, I should be at a community, uh, welders class right now. Oh, But it's, it's 10 weeks long. So, uh, I went to the first, first, uh, week last week and I learned all the safety things. So I'm like, I know what not to do. So, um, I'm also just, uh, I don't know. I like to tinker in uh, various uh, media, whether it's stop action, uh, motion video, which I don't know. We maybe we'll talk about that later on, and uh, woodwork and uh, other various uh, odds and ends.
2: Yeah. So, so you mentioned right off the top um, your uh, your stop motion, and the piece that I'm familiar with in that uh, category was the thing you were doing with um, I think it was non silver photography and circus plates. Is that right?
1: So, I, I work at uh, the Department of uh, Cinema and Photo. Um, and uh, so, I guess through osmosis or just uh, association with uh, cinema students and also faculty, the moving image became uh, uh, something that fascinated me. And I wondered what a moving image would look like with uh, certain aesthetics unique to photography, specifically antique processes. And that brings up the tintype. So, that, uh Three and a half years in the dark room uh, yielded five and a half minutes of a stop-action motion video of yeah. a circus. God, I had, had to make close to a thousand tintypes to uh, mm-hmm. uh, make this a sh- experimental uh, video. I'm not sure if I'm going to uh, do another one. People, people ask, but
0: uh, could you describe the piece of the project a little bit? Yeah,
1: more? so the circus came through uh, Carbondale. It was my first experience, uh, as a child coming from a, a large family, there was no way my parents were going to buy, uh, front row tickets. So I kind of, uh, as an adult, actually having a, a paycheck, purchased, uh, some, uh, front row tickets, brought my uh, film camera in about 20 rolls of film, and I just, uh, exposed, I just rapid shot the various, uh, performances from the circus elephants to the acrobats, um... After that black-and-white film was developed, I had to make slightly, uh, I guess, 4 by 5 positive enlargements in the darkroom. Because then I used the positive enlargements to make uh, modern tintypes. So I had to coat, well, I guess I ended up coating about a thousand uh, anodized aluminum sheets of metal with liquid emulsion. <laughs> then... Oh, man. Yeah, I had to process that and... Uh, Scan each of those, and here's the problem. This is why it took me so long to produce this piece. The camera that I was using is my first camera, and it only shoots seven frames per second. And you know, in people in the video world, it's twenty-four frames per second, kind of creates a continuous movement. So in Photoshop, I had to make interframes um, using oh, right. various layer masks, and that's that's why the aesthetic there kind of has this cloudy, ethereal. Look, it's it's the interframes that's doing it.
2: And it's funny because you would normally associate the cloudiness with the the tintype or the you know pre modern photography process, but it's mm-hmm. actually the digital process that makes it ghostly. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's actually a combination of both. Like I saved all the bad tintypes because it just had a unique uh, aura to it. Uh, the, mm-hmm. There's some certain fogginess to it, and I, I worked with a, a grad student on the uh, the sound design and. Yeah, eventually, uh, kicked it out into the world, in and Blue Sky Gallery saw it, and Lisa Sutcliffe, who was an assistant photo curator for uh, San Francisco MOMA, she saw it um, at Houston Photo Fest, and um, I was showcasing it at uh, Houston Photo Fest, and I, I, it was one of those conferences where you uh, portfolio reviews, to be more specific, and. From there, ever since I put it on Vimeo, it just kind of had a life of its own. It still gets, I don't know, uh, I still get the positive uh, comments about it. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, Rob, yeah. Wow. Rob, do you have any work like that where you feel like, I mean, maybe with a piece like this, there's just so much labor and so much aura, as Antonio pointed out, that maybe it's an unfair comparison. But, but what have you got in your canon, Rob, that you feel like comes mm, up?
0: No, nothing. 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 <laughs>
2: i I didn't mean to set you up for a disappointing answer yeah
0: i've done some hard thinking about that though actually recently yeah why is it because i've just been curious about like how how what what makes people immediately be like whoa you know and i think so much of the so many of the things i do um kind of come out the gate slowly people are okay with that maybe in like a short film or something you know antonio one second into your work i was like whoa like i want i want to see this you know, then it's up to you and, and me, whether my expectations are met or I'm still continually blown away or, you know, whatever, like, we're, but we're off and running, you know, a lot of the work I make is weirdly has a, like a slow acceleration. And so I was, I've been trying to think about fixing that or not fixing it, but exploring ways that maybe that could be different. So we'll see.
2: Yeah. Antonio, I feel like a lot of the projects of yours that I know are very striking like that right from the get go. I mean, of course, your work with um, amateur
1: wrestlers, or is this amateur MMA? I can't remember. Were you here when I I trained with the local cage fighting scene in Carbondale? You were just starting
2: to do that. And then just one of my favorite things about you (laughs) was you're a very um, kind of even keeled uh, and, um, you know, my experience of you was was just as a calm person and I not being as part of the, you know, competitive fight scene or anything that struck me as a really big contrast, but please, I mean, please talk about it. Oh yes.
1: Uh, So during that period where I was uh, photographing the circus, I was also photographing other arena spectacle events. I was just kind of fascinated by it because I had mentioned as a child, mm, I I didn't, we didn't have the disposable income to uh, go to this, those forms of entertainment. So, um I can't remember where I was driving from but I heard a uh, uh a radio uh, uh advertisement about uh, a cage fight in uh, Marion Illinois and uh, if you're interested you know, just come on in and register and and and, and fight and I am like what the heck is cage fighting and I uh made contact with the promoter and got permission to photograph and that I was I was hooked I was just fascinated not so much by the uh the, the obvious violence, because uh, my first experience uh, ringside with a camera, um, blood splattered on my my lens, and I was just like I was kind of horrified. <laughs> but w- w- the the saving grace of that sport, what really captivated me was the uh, these two men were seemed really upset at one another, and um, they <laughs> then they embraced at the end. They they hugged one another. And uh-huh. I was like, "Whoa, well, what's that about?" So that led me to uh, the uh, one of the promoters there. He uh, he learned he knew that I was uh, working for SIU as a photographer, and he invited me to uh, train with the local club. And so I said, "Okay, let's do it." And after like I think two years of training, he, he just grins and smiles at me and he's like, "So when are you going to fight?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't know." I don't know. <laughs> and he. uh he encouraged me it's like you know if you really want to uh understand this sport and uh you know give honor to uh, uh these cage fighters that you are athletes that you're photographing you really need to experience it my uh, career ended shortly uh cuz uh i had dislocated my shoulder in the first round like the first 15 seconds the uh, yeah. someone try pick, picks you up you have two options. You can try to, like, force your body weight down to, like, make it more difficult for them to uh, lift you up. Okay. Or you can just say, hey, you know, I'll just go with it. Let's see where this is going to go. Well, I chose the latter. And uh, <laughs> I made the rookie mistake of sticking my arm out um, to, to yeah. brace my fall. And uh, my arm uh-huh. had nowhere to go but uh, pop out of socket. Oh. And the whole round, I had no idea that this is that's what happened. I just continued fighting and thinking to my left my brain was communicating in my left arm like punch this guy now why aren't you punching like he is he is going to hit you and it was really frustrating what really drew my attention to uh, making this body of work was more about uh, the performance of masculinity uh, the vulnerability that's involved the facade of, of power and how those amateur uh, cage fights Function, uh, like financially, is the athletes are encouraged to sell tickets. And who are they going to sell tickets to? Um, they're going to sell tickets to their friends and family. So in the way you're performing in front of your loved ones. And this was during around the 2008, 2009 kind of economic uh, collapse where middle class workers were losing their job. And you know, a lot of men uh, ascribe uh, of what they do um, as self-worth. Um, so I, 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 feel that this, uh, at least on the amateur level, this was kind of an expression or an outlet for men to, uh, prove their masculinity or, or, or worth or power or demonstration of power in front mm. of their loved ones. Did it
0: change your photography? Like you participating in
1: the men are predominantly like in some close form of, in in they're embracing one another. And the series is called "How to Hug and other sublimations of men and the how to hug part came from it was inspired by uh Rick mccraw who's a uh, uh a state penitentiary uh officer down in i think he works down in metropolis he's like six foot seven very formidable wow. uh gentleman but he is he's hilarious he's a uh, really kind hearted but his uh daughter at the time who was five um when uh he would travel, even all the way up to Rockford to um, Cage Fight. His daughter would refer to Cage Fight as Hug Fighting. I was like, oh man, that's it. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, All right, now,
0: yes, let's, let's look at a thing. Let's
1: dive in.
2: Antonio, say go, and then I'll I'll click at the
1: same time, and three, two, one, go, okay,
2: time. so fast mo of the of l a generally means Rob's heading to the desert.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there, <laughs> like a time lapse in the front of a car traveling for yeah. night we're the, we are, yeah, we're in the desert, oh, where is it salt flats? I've never been there. The Bonneville Salt Flats,
2: yeah, well, where they set the uh, land speed record, right? As so this is that stuff?
1: oh, so this is what Rob's going to do. He's going to.
2: I was interested in seeing when he paused there for a moment. Um, there was a foot wash station sure. at the salt flats. <laughs> is that like a common enough problem that people get salty feet?
0: Yeah, it cakes up on your shoes. It's kind of, it's often pretty muddy. So
2: yeah. Okay, get it. Yeah, you you associate okay. a salt flat with being really dry, don't you?
1: Oh wow. Rob, are your windshield wipers broken? <laughs> no, it's, it's very buggy. <laughs> I had to pause. My heart rate was, uh, was yeah, racing. It looked
2: like he, like, kept looking like he was going to run into something. Oh, man. Okay, I got to hit
1: play again. Okay, here we go. So you're really heading out there. All right, he's going off track. He's no longer on the street, right. going up a hill. I guess he's finding the top summit and. mm mm-hmm radio towers there's an suv are you on the aerial shot yet yep looking over this small town oh aerial shot got it
2: yeah so he's doing something way out in the middle of nowhere uh what is this thing we're seeing these sort of different um it looks like web-based interfaces i've got google earth pro oh maybe it's some kind of map of elevation that he's getting access
1: to that graph yeah it looks
0: yeah you might have to go full screen for the text sorry
2: Ooh, and now we're getting that great like Cremaster slow zoom on <laughs> maybe it's like a like an airport runway, or I guess that's just the highway, it's just so straight.
1: Look at the uh the horizon, there's like nothing out there. It's yeah. kind of uh, haunting the that, that highway goes to bleak grey sky. Yeah. Are those uh, headlights? I think traffic? so, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's getting kind of washed out and the, yeah, the only thing out there on the horizon is just one lonely little tower with a little flashing light on it but it's just so dwarfed by that big kind of smoggy foggy area. It's a
1: pretty bleak uh,
2: landscape. So he's zooming way in and then he's zooming back out and I'm trying to think is this just about capturing scale generally kind of like a western or a samurai movie might and I'm curious to see, will something occur, or is it the... You might
0: back up a little bit. Did miss it? Yeah, to about 2 minutes and 47
1: seconds, and then see what happens. Oh, the yellow line. Oh, he's taking a measurement.
2: There's a yellow line?
1: Yeah, uh... Yeah.
2: Oh, there it is. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, what was that for? Wow, I totally missed it when I was watching before. I can't decide. Does it refer to the way that a perspective is making the line collapse towards the central point, or, <laughs> or are we noticing everything you don't care about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many bugs can we count? Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Interesting. We're, it Ended. I, wait, I, wait. Um,
2: I can't. I can't decide what happened.
0: Yeah, back, back at my place. Yeah.
2: I recommend, Antonio. You go to one fifty two. Um. Yeah which I think is just indicating where he is standing for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the measurement step. But it seems important.
1: Window I'm looking at the, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the Earth Google aerial view, Lincoln Highway. For,
2: so he's standing there, and then he has the camera pointing way down that roadway.
0: I'd say go back, go back to the yellow line.
2: Okay. At 250. I see it.
0: So... I failed, but but it's okay. I, I thought this might <laughs> I thought this might happen. I, I failed. I, I erred to the side of failing, instead of erring to the side of being obvious. But yeah, I yeah, erred yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> so so the line is straight. Right. Uh, what does that tell you about the highway to the left of the line?
2: That the highway is straight.
0: <laughs> is it? Is it though?
2: Are, oh, are you able to capture the curve of the earth? Ah,
0: <laughs> that is what I'm trying to do. Yes.
2: Oh, oh. Yeah. you're doing like a okay. flat a flat earther. Um. (laughs) nice wow is that really true that stretches so long you can see the curve of the earth cool maybe (laughs) (laughs)
1: there there is definitely
0: lore that at that spot on the map you can see the curvature of the earth
1: Oh, okay right Right. and so i
0: I went to that spot Mm -hmm. and you can really see it sort of slope off you know especially Mm -hmm. at the very end like it kind of just curves that curls over the edge and i was like wow and then i was like well you know that could be lens curvature but your eye sees that too you know and you're just like well my eye sees it so strangely there's not that much there's only a few pages that sort of say that this spot is the place where you can see it there isn't any rigorous debunking of the spot as a place you can see it and there's a whole lot of like where you would need to be to see the curvature of the earth i will say this though which is interesting is at, at, at by google earth standards the 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 deviation of this strip of land is 12 feet all the way across and like 64 miles or something. It's, it's extremely flat, right? So it's not a hill that those, it's not like a, you know, an elevation <clears throat> gain or drop that is creating that curve. Probably it right, could certainly be right. heat dissipation or some kind of something. So I don't know. And I'm, I'm kind of want to put it on YouTube or something and see if I can create some, I'm probably just going to get a bunch of garbage comments.
2: Correction, you will definitely get a bunch of yes, garbage yes. comments. Yes. Oh, yeah, you will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's nowhere for me to observe this. I mean, you know, obviously, Southern Illinois is just all trees and cornfields. And, yeah, very
0: flat, but lots you know, of objects yeah. on the terrain, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: I thought you were, uh, I was thinking of the how to scale in terms of like a, a model town, like a tiny figures. Yeah, that's, that's true, too. Going.
0: Yep. Yeah, like a train, model railroad or something. So so me having failed, I'm curious, what would have been maybe useful for you both to have seen to make it more legible?
2: Oh, it's not like an artwork, right? I mean, it's well, a video. Well, <laughs> <The, laughs> I know, I'm too hasty, right? <laughs> I feel like you're framing it more in a, here's an interesting thing I did. Yes. It's kind of documentary yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Antonio, what do you think? What could he have done to hit it on the head there?
1: To to emphasize the the curvature more. Yeah, to I make mean, it legible. That was, that was yeah. Yeah. more legible. Um yeah. I guess I was uh I wanna say I was distracted by the uh the, uh, the stop action yes. uh, time lapse in the beginning. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so I was uh-huh. I was thinking, okay, right. we're going on the journey and this is this is about distance traveled mm-hmm. and the scale of like time and distance. I guess that's where my mind was uh, trying to solve that riddle and puzzle. But you left um, uh, breadcrumbs with using the uh, the Google Earth and showing the elevation. Maybe the, uh, like I said, the time lapse in the beginning and the end mm-hmm. maybe is a little too long.
0: Yeah, and it's too too visually intense for kind of... It sort of derails the yeah. study. Yeah, that's there's a lot of visual
2: weight to yep, compared yep. to the very... This is one of those examples, which is don't do this exact idea because it's dumb, but it uh-huh. speaks to the territory. If there was like a little animated line, yeah, it, yep. on the top of the video, yep. like the bendometer. meter, yep, you know, it kind of got mm-hmm. like straighter. Yep. yep. I mean, I'm tr- I'm just trying to think. Perhaps you can interleave other symbols that have nothing to do with driving or aerial shots or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. the stark contrast that makes you wonder like this has to be here for a reason Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and then might might get get, yeah I I think I got because it it just seems so indexical like here's the thing I literally did Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then I I was having trouble figuring out the mode in which I was how expansively I could interpret and I think that's what I was trying to get at with my flip comment about whether this was art (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah right on man. Good to know. how long yeah, does it cool. take to drive there from, from oh it's
0: like house? um it's like about 11 hours if you're making Jeez, if you're putting the geez, pedal down
1: hours yeah. oh my god
0: <laughs> i i mean i had ul- ulterior ulterior motives i did a visit with a land arts class out there which was really cool and um mm-hmm. they were super super great and um kind of really inspiring and fun so i got to do a little artist talk and uh, meet with them and you know go on hikes and do stuff like that so it was it was great
1: cool way to com- combine yeah two, two things oh, okay. yeah, I, I, yeah that was yeah, the yeah, thing
0: is like, i knew yeah exactly i knew i was going on the trip so i was like i want to do something about the terrain and so I was, and like scale and scale models definitely kind of was in that mm-hmm. realm for me so i was trying to think think that through so
2: red good work man yeah thank you
0: antonio you Ooh. are next
2: rep started out okay
0: Uh open it up oh oh <laughs> okay so um we see a very fisheye camera look it's almost like you're looking through the peephole of a door but maybe it's like some kind of super fisheye lens or something i can't tell um and inside we see a very complex and large-scale model train diorama uh complete with Trees, it's like the fall season, like certain trees are turning orange and yellow, and um, I don't know if that's a I don't know my train scales very well, and it's a bit hard to know here, but it's really like a switching station, maybe it's got like all sorts of converging loop de loops and different tracks and paths, and there's uh like an African American gentleman standing kind of at the helm, it seems like maybe. And lots of like tools and stuff, so it sounds like this this might be the place where it, this is being constructed.
2: And all these all these images are named Larry Page. Oh so yeah. This, as you start to look at the first couple, you know, he's there in each shot, so I'm assuming he's the author. Uh yeah, it's great. He um he appears to suffer from the same uh basement problems that I have when, where it's a little hard to tell, but when he's standing up straight in that second image, oh yeah, his head is kind of positioned between the joists as if he couldn't right. walk in this space uh, uh, fully, you know, standing up straight. Yep, it, it's a nice character study. So he is, um, you know, capable of a little teeny smile <laughs> when necessary. That's right. He's usually, yeah. fairly, um, uh, you know, is, is posing in a, in a si- serious sounds like a pejorative or negative or something but i don't know he's just like he's not mugging for the camera so i think right right it's like clearly his space yeah and and maybe he's not accustomed to to being photographed in that way yeah Um, i
0: love that the wall is painted blue like the sky that's smart
2: mm -hmm. yeah 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 um and he's also got a bluetooth headset and he's wearing a nike swoosh a pink nike swoosh shirt yeah so the sort of just the the amount of detail and and visual information that we get towards portraiture in this case is quite nice.
0: Yeah, that last picture is great.
1: So, you know, two weeks is a quite a tall order to uh,
2: Mm -hmm. produce uh,
1: something on scale. It's like scale, okay, it's got to be super big or it's got to (laughs) be really small. Do I take advantage of SIU's electron microscope and like uh, do something super micro? But it, I, I opted not to do that because it, uh, it would have just been uh, shapes and patterns um, so uh, I uh, would pass this idea around uh, at dinner with some of my friends and I just asked them so if I say scale, like what's the first thing you think of And I explain like what this podcast is about and there um, one of my uh, friends mentioned that uh, movie uh, that had uh, Corel um, about uh, Steve, Steve, Steve Carell. Where his character, I guess, would uh, go into a, like a fictional toy model. I've, I never, I haven't seen the movie. I know what he's talking about. So he's talking about uh, these miniature worlds, and that's when my wife mentioned, "Hey, I uh, uh, Larry Page. He's a retired uh, uh, janitor at the uh, uh, at the local community college, and uh, I can I can talk to him because I hear he has a basement and." Just covered with uh, toy model trains, and Larry, as you probably can deduce from some of the images, he's he's pretty tall. He's probably yeah. pushing <laughs> six seven, six eight. Um, oh, he's that tall? Yeah, he's he's tall. Um, you are right. The fisheye lens can like r- exaggerate, can minimize, or it can uh, make uh, make you look larger based on like where the subject is uh, happens to be within the frame. Yeah. Um, there's, um, some other images, uh, it's kind of like outtakes of, uh, kind of behind the scenes. I think there's a panorama in the second, uh, zip file, um, that I uploaded oh. as well. So you can see those, but yeah, I, once I went down there, I lugged all this equipment. Um, I just shot this with a, my standard uh, DSLR camera. I brought some lighting there, um, when I went down there with all this equipment, like, okay, where am I going to put this equipment? Where can I even put the lights? Right, so there's no way for me to even set up a tripod. There's a really tight space. This is just half of the basement. Uh, behind the, that wall that has that signed stage, there's it just continues back there. Wow. So just trying to decide, like, what's the right angle of view, and mm-hmm. um, making yeah. decisions. Uh, composition decisions and um yeah that was the, the difficult part the part where i failed because i really wanted to uh, uh do this more justice i brought a four by five camera and i had colored film loaded and ready um it took me about two hours to do to do this from setting up the light to to photographing and i didn't want to like push his you know patience you know, on mm-hmm. a sunday afternoon like, i was ready taking uh, more time than uh, I had initially promised. I've kind of went over an hour (laughs) of what I had promised. uh, But anyways, uh, where I failed was I forgot to bring the correct uh, hex plate um, to attach the 4x5 to the tripod that I brought. So there was no way for me to uh, safely um, attach the 4x5 camera onto the tripod because I wanted to... Push scale in that regard. It's going from a large format of photography so I can scan it and make a really large uh, digital or not Yeah, it would be a digital inkjet print. But um, I just had to make do with uh, playing around with the fisheye and uh, a wide angle uh, lens.
2: So, Rob, Antonio has truly given us a – a, a technical, the technical term would be shitload of images here. Yeah. <laughs> so if you take a look in the other zip file. Let's do it. I'm actually really getting into – I mean, I really enjoyed this initial set, but I'm really into the uh, – so Antonio put them outtakes. Um, oh, let me open see Open that, that zip file and go to uh, BTS and then Larry Page. Um there's a, there's an additional person in the basement in that set that gives you a, an example of how tall Larry really is.
1: Um, and yep. so, yeah. And so that's my wife.
2: Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! I I don't even think I knew that you were married.
1: no uh, we we uh-huh. eloped. No one knew. There you go. There you go.
2: <laughs> but the uh, panorama is great too. It really wraps everything around.
1: Oh yeah! Wow, it is really
2: cool. Yeah, like that water feature is really funny. Yeah, it's really nice. there's like the water tower as well. Yeah, gravel water feature.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. God, this thing is huge.
2: Rob, if you look at um, in that folder scale project too, and then where did I find this? Uh, Phase one details.
1: Okay, so this was, um, I started this first. I have a two close friends they're uh they're going to be moving to reno and you know, I, this is the one thing about carbondale and you know taylor you know you you, you were a part of this as well you know great people uh come and go in carbondale mm. mm-hmm. so um
2: i i don't suppose i should agree with that too enthusiastically. <laughs> to
1: <go through. laughs> <laughs> so my, my my good friends uh amanda and josh hewitt uh they've decided to uh go to reno um you know, they're they're from this area, and it's uh, I decided to well, I'm gonna make a a custom backdrop for them. And the, wow. the original idea, uh, it was just gonna be just simple black rustic boards. But then I thought, well, maybe this is an opportunity opportunity for me to uh, uh, approach scale in a I guess a a, a literal wow. sense, like scales yeah. of butterfly wings or scale of snakeskin.
0: And when, you, and when you say when you say backdrop, you mean that, is that a photographic backdrop?
1: Yeah. So I'm. Okay. I'm uh, there is a photo called scrap wood, and you can see all the scrap wood. Yeah, in it's my great. And it's,
0: it's an amazing,
1: glorious pile of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wood pallets and just just That's odds great. and ends. So yeah. I thought, well, let's make use of, yeah. of that. that. You can see my preliminary bad Photoshop sketch. I was like, okay, I'm just going to. Uh, build this uh, portable backdrop wall, which could also function as a a wall plant, uh, outdoor patio wall plant. Mm -hmm. So so I had like other ulterior motives to uh, construct this backdrop. So there's a lot of uh, sacred, I guess, geometry that's uh, involved with this. I'm trying to use the wood to, you really can't see it, but I'm trying to make scale-like patterns with the wood. So Mm -hmm. they're kind of overlapping. i Found that i'm starting to use more kind of eclipse imagery you know carbondale um during the uh, we had a total solar eclipse so oh, it's cool. kind of been stuck in my uh i guess my psyche and also that that double circle also serves like a it's a sacred symbol um there's there's one central white board that runs split down the middle and there's two overlapping circles um One's uh, predominantly white, and one behind it's going to be black. Then there's just a, a myriad of uh, rectangles and diamonds. The diamonds I'm trying to uh, suggest is not complete, but I want to uh, uh, create the, the feel and look of uh, snakeskin. If you go to phase two details, you'll see uh, some of the... Uh, etsy purchases so there's a large snake skin <laughs> rattlesnake s- snake skin and there's butterflies so um, i'm going to be incorporating mm. those um, little items along our framed within the, uh, the the final backdrop so the idea is to have them posed do a, a group portrait in front of this backdrop in my backyard
0: it's really cool that um i don't really think of photography as a as being such a kind of building making creating of physical objects and like tech creating your own textures and backdrops and stuff that's mm-hmm. really neat that's a, a really really yeah. cool like integration of two two crafts you know
2: it's a yeah the difference between the photoshop sketch and the actual object, yeah. the actual object is just has so much uh, life in it yep yeah it's great so really did it yeah great work man yep
0: thanks yeah totally that's cool taylor
2: you hey, really? Take a are peek.
0: next, and that means Antonio and I get to peek at your work and paw all over it, get our mitts on it. Uh, peek and paw. It looks like Antonio Taylor has numbered these photos for us, which is nice.
1: Okay, scale zero, zero, that looks... Yep. I can't read backwards. And now, what right? Uh,
0: Fullarton.
1: F- it looks <laughs> like a uh, a pan oh. or a. Uh, you would pour. Either.
0: Yeah, it's like a bread metal pan. Our yeah. bread. Yeah, you can make metal, <laughs> but it's beefier, more charred than a
1: bread pan. I'm trying to decipher what those upside down letters are. Didn't that read hey, bread Rob, you're on
0: the right track. Is it F um, A? O l a r t u n.
2: So it's it's upside down and backwards.
0: Faularton. <laughs> Faularton.
2: <laughs>
1: well, I have to take this in the Photoshop and yeah, reverse yeah. It.
0: it. It's like coated epoxy coated metal or something. I don't. Know, it's got a strange vibe to it. And then this is
1: like, Nutra Loaf. <laughs> Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> you mean Fowlerton? <laughs> <laughs> we totally
0: read that the opposite way.
2: Neutral loaf. Oh. oh, did you actually take it into Photoshop? Yeah, and I did. I had to. My, my,
1: my brain was going <laughs> to thank, fry. Thank goodness yeah.
0: we have a photographer on this episode. <laughs> yep. I know Taylor has worked through some ideas before about Neutralloaf and it's um, uh, wholly nutritious but utterly tasteless and horrible uh properties. As a prison food, I think of it. R- right. I, think it
1: I I vaguely remember Taylor working with this. I, okay, image zero one, Sunnox tools.
0: Yeah, this is I know what this is. I've seen it recently on the YouTubes. It's a um um it's like before you break spaghetti in half to put it in the water, it's like you're holding all the like hard sticks of spaghetti in your hand like a rod so this looks like those but they're bigger rods and this is an air-powered kind of looks like a hairdryer, and it's got these rods sticking out and when the air runs through it i think of the rods as hammering up and down really fast and this is a way to remove like rust or paint from a metal surface is what i think Uh this is
1: i'm going to hit play so
0: ah cool oh yeah there it is an action
2: Whoa, okay. <laughs> and that that video does not do justice to how truly loud this thing is. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it's like a machine gun. Yep.
0: And so I think we're seeing, Antonio, on image number three, do you think this is a result after it's gone through the pounding? I
1: think it's during or in process? Or during, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The edges look clean, right? The cleaner and, maybe than
1: before? And 03B, the bottom, I guess oh. the underside.
0: He has pitted. He's, but it looks like it's definitely been gotten some some of that whatever that tool is called yeah it's
2: called a needle, a needle scaler oh
0: a needle scaler oh wow cool
1: is this what it's used for oh like, wow this is, it Yep, is, it is like a sandblaster or, or it's in that family of functional use to get rust off or other
2: yeah so i I think the well one of the nice things about it is that you don't need a media that's spraying all over the place. Yeah, Um, Uh, yeah. like with sand or bead blasting, and so you can just take it out. You know, like if you have an engine block sitting somewhere, you can blast it. Um, It does it does change the surface slightly, and if you have Mm -hmm. casting defects, it'll expose them. As I'm, (laughs) as I did, Uh Uh did. Uh, But let me let you guys finish. I'll tell you. Okay,
0: cool. Image number four definitely looks fully descaled at this point.
2: It's pretty impressive.
0: Oh, yeah, I can see some pitting,
1: though, right? I'm curious, Taylor, how many of these, uh, I guess, uh, pans do you you have? Is it just this one?
2: So I made three. This is part of the results from this residency I was just out on. And um, when I went to the residency, I took a pattern with me. So it's the wood positive that you use to make um, molds off of. And I cast three, and then wound up doing a much bigger project there. So I, I, this was the whole process of me trying to figure out how to finish the um, the pans so they could be used to make a meatloaf.
0: That's cool. Oh. He's rubbing his finger. Looks like nothing is coming off. Uh, what do you do when you like treat a, a cast iron skillet? Uh, you season it. Season it. Yeah, there was you it go. seasoned. There oh you it.
2: yeah, cool. So they, so I had the raw iron, and I'd been trying to keep it out of humidity. But, you know, it winds up getting a little dirty and rusty Uh and stuff. So I uh, scaled it, which, so all of those little pockmarks weren't there before, but they were bubbles that had very thin skins of iron over the top. Ah, And in my scaling exuberance, my descaling exuberance, I opened up all these pores in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was sort of one learning process. But I wound up accidentally taking one of the inferior pans instead of the best one, so I get to do this again and hopefully get a better result. <laughs> um and then I read about seasoning. So um uh, my understanding is you're supposed to coat everything in oil after it's been cleaned and totally dried and then the oil has to come off until there's barely any left. So you just wipe it and wipe it and wipe it and then you put it in the oven at 450 for half an hour. Um well, it's upside down, but I think I left too much oil on it. So you can see it kind of accumulating in different spots. So it looks kind of rusty right now, but that's actually all oil that's been so hot that it was polymerized. So when you rub it with your fingers, it looks shiny like oil, but it's effectively a nonstick surface now.
0: That's cool. It looks great. Like it looks, yeah, it looks really pro. Have you have you been, been able to make anything in the pan yet?
2: Not yet. Not yet. So the this one, you know, it has all these pores that are... I don't know if there's, you know, crap left in that stuff that's going to mm-hmm. transfer to the food. Um, so I'll probably need to do this again on a second one and maybe go lighter on the scaler so I get less pores and so forth. And then I think the seasoning probably requires, like, three or four passes instead yeah. of the one I did here. But this was, like, the first attempt at, hmm. uh, at seasoning.
1: Yeah. So is this iron?
2: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really a cast cool. cool.
1: Okay. okay. Um. You have intentions of cooking in it, though, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, so so there's a neutral loaf I, I can't remember how much we've talked about it in the past, and I know both of you are familiar with this project to different degrees, but for the listener, uh, the, the Tams Prison in southern Illinois huh. um, inspired, which is now closed, but I think it was that one. Uh, anyway, some Illinois prisoners sued the government to say that this punishment food they were fed was so bad it was cruel and unusual um, and were ruled against ultimately— it raised these interesting questions about what, um, or sort of the minimum, there's this great phrase that's actually from the constitution, uh, that's like either of the bill of rights, but it's like a minimum requirements for civilized existence, or Oh something my God. Like that, uh, which people are due. And the judges were saying that feeding somebody effectively, like mathematically healthful, but, um, functionally disgusting food was not, um, harming their civility, according to this definition. Um, so I've just been experimenting with making different kinds of cookware where I can um, produce actual accurate neutral loaves based on the Department of Justice recipe. Um, sort of sw- switch the
1: context. That's cool. I'm sorry, go ahead. What? What? what is, so you have the ingredients for the recipe? Point.
2: yeah yeah it's i mean it's all pretty straightforward. It's like canned carrots canned spinach Uh-oh. there's a there is a vegetarian version um so they do concede that that's important for religion <laughs> or whatever. but then the only flavorings are tomato paste and garlic powder um Let- and so when you make it, it actually doesn't taste all that it doesn't taste that bad. I think it's just really the context is everything you
0: know listeners can uh, get the recipe for Loaf on opposable thumbs episode twenty nine 10x bigger. With oh, our we guest, did we did it there as well with our guest Rita Blake. Yeah,
2: uh, well, this is, it's, we've been <laughs> doing this for long enough that I can't remember what we've done. This is
0: we well, I this is I'm so I'm so excited. So I I tag the episodes when I post them with different wow, phrases, man. and I tagged it with yeah. NutraLoafs, and so my <laughs> NutraLoaf tag is paying off. Yep.
1: <laughs> Taylor, I'm thinking your, your your intro should like include uh, NutraLoaf. You should say something about that when you yeah. This would be all right.
0: What's the mm, scream yeah. that's in every film?
1: Uh, the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm
0: scream. Maybe Neutraloaf will be our Wilhelm scream. It will be in every episode.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but Nutrilife. Yeah, <laughs> brought to you <laughs> by. We can just play a clip from the one episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that project kind of continues. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go next, but I, I definitely want to make, is the idea here is that the text is reversed so that when you demold yep. the uh, neutral loaf, you get yep. a nice little like embossed uh, label. So it's kind of like taking this horrible punishment food and up, updating it with a, a an absurd bespoke. It's like people who have kitchens that are so well-stocked, you've got like, you know, an implement for one particular dish that you make yep. once a year.
0: Yeah, like a trifle pan or something. Yeah, trifle
2: pin, mm. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> you know, like a trifle pan. I mean, yeah. so I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Rob, Rob fell for baking hard. I did. Um, Antonio, if you've listened to any recent episodes, yeah, he's he's chasing that dragon.
1: What's that show? The uh, the British. Um, are you a Great fan of? What oh I yeah. Get? Oh,
0: I
2: am. I've only That's seen one episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're S- lucky. I'm you, lucky. You're <laughs> So there, there you have it. Scale. We did it.
0: We did it. You can find photos of our finished projects over at our project site, which is called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in our show notes, and we post cool stuff to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker if you share a podcast episode on social media rate us on itunes send smoke signals or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast we'll drop you a sticker in the mail just contact us on instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email address which is opposable podcast at gmail.com we'd like to give a shout out to charlene mcbride adam Mayer, deb tatra blondie hacks nick Kantar. Walter Katundu and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them in the league of Patreon supporter badasses, just go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you donate really, really helps. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to to be a part of it. And you can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Antonio, do you have anything you'd like to share with folks?
1: There's some projects that are kind of uh, on uh, various stovetops right now. Oh. Uh, The DNA Quilt Project, uh, it's a very complicated uh, project. uh, It involves an investigation of anonymous uh, fathers and mothers who are either sperm donors or egg donors, and uh, I'm making portraits of, of them. Um, make I'm also making DNA quilts uh, based on their uh, selection of their uh, genome. Um, I'd love to come back and talk more about that, but right now uh, I'm looking for subjects who are are willing. Um, oh. Not just uh, sperm donors and egg donors. I'm also opening this up to uh, donor conceived uh, children. Um, this uh, oh. I, I dropped eighteen hundred dollars to get a uh, hire a lawyer to write a contract to protect the uh privacy wow and, uh, and oh, really. model release form so i definitely That's want fun. the $800 to go to use this is probably going to be a a, a lifelong uh project other projects i have a photo at uh, i don't know Robbie may know about fabric projects gallery it's based in los angeles there's a there's a photo uh that's going to be an exhibition in November, I believe. The exhibition. Oh, cool! Is called I'll go check it out. That's awesome. Portraits of America, and uh, the portrait that I, that I uh, submitted um, is of uh, a couple of who lives in southern Illinois, rural part of Illinois. Um, yeah, so Fabric Projects Gallery, and other than that, I'm just in the uh, the dark room at SIU. Ex- Tinkering, and experimenting with uh, unique processes that are similar to the Near the Egress, that uh, tintype hybrid process. I'm currently making a Frankenstein-esque uh, enlarger. I'm making use of Ooh. LED lighting technology to use color transparency film to make enlargements on wet plate collodion. That was a mouthful. Oh, we got to do a part two with Antonio. We for do. Sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, That's cool. And, <laughs> Antonio Jacob um, That's if cool. You want to look at my work.
0: Listeners, you can just scroll down in your podcast player of choice and click right on that link. Taylor, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, share with folks?
2: I feel like I'm finally old enough that even though I consider myself a technologist, I've started to have ideas that I, I began to hold 15 years ago that are now outdated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just trying to remind myself to go back and assess these things like 3D scanning, right? For a while now, I've just thought 3D scanning sucks and there's just no two ways about (laughs) it. And then, you know, getting my hands on a 3D scanner that was so new that we had to wait for it to be delivered because they were still finishing the first run at the factory. And now, like, you know, in a $10,000 scanner, I mean, that's not the average person's scanner, but man, they're just so amazing now. Yeah. Um, And then in a more accessible way, I've been redoing my website because I finally realized, you know, for an image-based practice, you have to really dig to find the Mm. actual images on my site. Yeah. And so I went back through WordPress. And when I first started my website long ago, I was hand-coding everything. And everything just took forever. And then I finally went with WordPress, but I just had like a vanilla 2013 theme running for years. And then I went back and looked through the free themes and... There's just some really great stuff now, mm-hmm. and you can just, you know, drop it in there. Uh, so, yeah, I guess part of it is update your website, and the other part of it is if you're becoming an old fart like the rest of us, you know, make sure to check back in periodically because stuff gets awesomer all the time. There's so many things getting terrible, terrible, <laughs> right, right <laughs> now, but uh, so, some of these things are are doing better.
0: Totally, yep. That that totally dovetails into my pick, which is um Beck Tinch, who is a person I I don't know but um am very inspired by already, uh has a really great article called Google Slides as a pedagogical tool. And um it even can be thought of as a collaboration tool because it's that's really kind of part of the whole thing. And so even if you don't teach but you want to work in groups with people to make decisions or think through things, she outlines an amazing just treatment of of Google Slides. And some of them are kind of, you know, slide-like, but then some of them are, like, using circles, like dots on the page to vote so people can move a dot towards something they like or something that they're attracted, the thing that most speaks to them most loudly on the page. Different, like, ways to capture data from people, um, ways that people can group things. like like um, So, like, say there's a, a chart that's got four things on it, like empty on the left, crowded on the right, Quiet at the top and loud at the bottom. People can move those dots into where they felt like what mapped their experience. You know, it's mm-hmm. just this really great way for people to sort of collaboratively create data visualizations or um, capture their experience uh, together. It's and it's beautiful. So, and uh, we'll link to it in the notes.
1: I'm gonna have to look that up. I like the it sounds like there's a, a feedback, like automatic like feedback.
0: Weekly, someone. I'm in a conversation with someone. It's like, wouldn't there be a cool tool if it was like more freeform? Than a, a wiki, you know, like and it's like, oh yeah, maybe Google Slides actually is totally answers that, and in some ways for her it really has. So, Antonio, mm-hmm. it is time to get our challenge. Oh my goodness! For Light Taylor eyes. and I and our next guest to dive into.
1: I'm going to go with this is a a word that uh, I mentioned earlier about the cage fighting, the men and the the, the, the hugging aspect, and you know the word. That comes to mind, and his um, vulnerability.
2: Vulnerability. All right. Whoa. Great. Got it.
1: No, just uh, rev. I'm
2: just kidding. Oh man, <laughs> 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 Antonio Taylor
0: always, always will be like, oh yeah, I think I got something, and then I, I'm torturing myself. So he, he, he got me there. I am really stoked about this one. Wow, vulnerability yeah, is our challenge, Taylor. Wow. Ah, oh, Antonio, thank you so much. Your work is totally yeah. amazing. People really should it's go great. check it out. It's great.
1: yeah, thank you uh, for uh, giving me this opportunity to share yeah, my work yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so if you guys do um want to visit, you guys may want I know I know Carbondale is going to have another eclipse. I forget what year, so uh, oh, cool you guys are more than welcome to stay in my place. Oh that would be so cool that. yeah, and that's it.
2: Hello, Best Buy person.